You are listening to the Pencil and Paper Podcast Network. Welcome to the Palace of Mega Pixels. This is Super Mega Brothers Turbo. Welcome to Super Mega Crash Brothers Turbo. I'm your host, Stephen White, and my with me as always co-host is in fact not with me today due to personal reasons, and I do wish him and his family well, but I am not alone, as I do have a special guest in the Palace of Mega Pixels today. He is a wonderful positive Twitch streamer who is never too busy to ask, what has been the highlight of your day? Please welcome Tap. How are you doing, buddy? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? I'm what's doing uh, what's right. been the highlight of your day? Uh, it's been, uh, hmm, I don't know, that's a hard question, maybe ask me a little later. <laughs> it's just been one of those days. Yeah. But, uh, what, what has been the highlight of your day, sir? It's gotta be this, man. I'm really, I'm really honored to be able to, uh, come in and join you on this. So thank you, thank you for inviting me. Well, I appreciate you actually being here, because, uh, I want to try to branch out and, and really get to know a lot of people on Twitch, uh, gamers like myself, and, and really get everybody else to know who you are, too, so they'll come and flock to you, because I really like what you do on your on your channel. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. So, now, I will admit that uh, the answer to some of these questions I'm going to ask you, uh, I kind of know, because I, I did look at your webpage, but for the sake <laughs> of the listeners, I'm going to ask, okay. uh, and if they haven't made their way, they can go there, too. Uh, first, tell everyone a little bit about yourself. Okay, yeah. So uh, I am Trey from the Tapstream, and uh, I've been streaming on Twitch. I just crossed two years, um, December 29th, uh, last year. And so it's just been an incredibly, really cool experience to be able to, like, connect with people uh, by playing video games. And, uh, you know, it, it's funny. I've been hearing people refer to me as, like, a positive streamer here lately, and that still catches me off guard because when I think about who I was before streaming – like I, it, it doesn't line up, but I'm so glad that that's what's like coming across. Cause I, it's the direction I want to go in kind of being like the champion for people's passions. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, it's even been to the point like where my sister, I was talking to my sister about streaming and I was talking about like, yeah, you know, they've, I've had it described as like a positive streamer and she's like, you, they're talking to, they're talking <laughs> about you. Right. <laughs> yeah. So it's uh it's been a fun ride. Yeah. I think just how you come off, uh, how everything feels, it just feels positive. You know, no matter what, you come in, everybody seems like they're having a good time. I've personally never, you know, wound up in your <laughs> chat where something bad is going on. Not to say that it never happens, but, you know, it feels positive to me. So I think that's that's where you're getting that vibe from, and that, that's good. Now, I appreciate it, man. Thank you. What actually got you into streaming? So I uh, had a friend that was listening to a, uh, another podcast, and they happened to interview a streamer. And he was like, hey, man, have you heard of this site called Twitch? And I was like, no, not – I mean, I've heard of it, but I've never really actually went on there and, and watched anybody. And so we just kind of were hanging out one night, and we looked it up, and we're like, this is really cool. Um, why don't we do this? Because at worst, we're going to be playing video games, which is what we already do anyway. Right. So we, we started it as like a joint effort, and um, we found out quickly how involved like it becomes. There's a lot of like behind-the-scenes work and a lot of – uh, actually being on air time. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, life took its directions and they eventually couldn't keep up with it, but I was in love with it. Uh, and I, I just have 
put all my time into doing it still. So it, it was from that one podcast that we, we finally branched out and looked into it. It's it's something that, uh, I mean, I personally found my way to it through a friend kind of, you know, he, he brought it up and I was kind of apprehensive about it because I was like, it's watching someone play video games uh, is not, mm-hmm. not my cup of tea. But when I actually got to see what it was, that it was more than that. And you have people who are interacting with you and stuff like that. It does it does kind of change your perspective of it? So uh, right, I mean, you you have people that like you become part of their schedule, which is like an incredible honor. Like I have people that will come in and say, "Hey, just saying hi. I got to do homework, but I'm going to have you on in the background." Or, "Hey, you know, I'm going to start cleaning, but I have you on in the background." So it's like this really cool uh, accolade that I have become part of their their routine in the evening. It's comfort. It's it's. I don't know. It's it's really cool that I can do that for people. Yeah, absolutely. Now, where did you get the name The Tap Stream? Like, where, where were the origins of that? So, uh, in the beginning, like I said, it was, it was like a joint effort. It wasn't going to be just me. Mm-hmm. So, I always wanted to have a name that was going to be bigger than me. Like, I didn't want it to be The Trey Stream or anything like that. I wanted something, you know, emblematic. And I was thinking... You know, what do you do when you go and actually watch a video? Well, you, you know, you tap the screen and you press play. So that's where I got the tap from. But the tap was taken. So I had to add the tap stream at the end. <laughs> and it's become like it's almost like a like a black eye on my on my uh, digital face because, you know, on, on Twitch, I'm sure you're familiar. There's like a streamer etiquette where you never really go in and start promoting, you know, your channel and other people's channels. And so here I come like, hey, guys. And in, in my name, it says the tap stream. Like you, you can't <laughs> not know that I stream. Right. And I, I, I've always felt a little guilty about it, but I've, I've grown to love it since. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it works. I mean, especially in context, if you understand what it means, it mm-hmm. makes sense. But I can mm-hmm. I can understand your, your issues with it as it stands <laughs> now. Uh, now, we've actually gotten to know a little bit of each other off of stream very recently, but I will say one of the determining factors that pushed me to bring you on was getting to know you via Twitter, YouTube, Instagram. I actually, I really love the videos you've been putting up on YouTube. I've been watching them every time you post them. I was like, oh, I got to check that out because it's just a, a little sample of what you do. It's always the good stuff. And it's just, I find it, I get a, a lot of enjoyment out of it, regardless if it's just a minute, it's a, it's a good moment, you know, that I can enjoy. And, uh, I, I appreciate that. Absolutely love your kind of a vote, the quote thing you do every week where you, you <laughs> post that and, and you've got so many good ones that I don't know. You know, I usually, I'm usually the one who picks the one that's, uh, I won't say least popular, but it never wins. But, <laughs> but I, you know, it just, that one quote, whatever I voted for, tickles my fancy. And uh, it's just, it's funny to me. So where, where did the idea for the quotes themselves, like the memes, where did that come from? Well, um, if you're talking about quote of the weeks, essentially what I do is throughout my streams, because I stream uh, five times a week. And so what I'll do is if somebody says something in chat that really, really makes me laugh, I'll just hit a button on my stream deck and it'll it'll bookmark it. So I total those up at the end of the week and I add a I create like a little online poll so that people can vote for the funniest things. And it it was just a way to kind of like, you know, give back to the community because you're having people you're having people take time out of their day to come watch you. So I wanted to kind of elevate that up a little bit so you know that their their funny jokes are also being highlighted as well. It's not just about me. It's bringing in the the community. Right. But on top of that, I have other quotes like it's just like jokes that I actually have made on stream. Uh, 
again, it's it's more it's more sourced from the chat. They will actually take time, and if I say something that they find particularly funny, they'll save it in our our chat bot. And so at any point in time, they can do exclamation mark quote, and it just pulls from a random source of things that I have said. And it's so funny in hindsight because when you're streaming, it's a lot of like stream of conscious. Like I, I, I know generally what I'm saying, mm. but at the end of every stream, I'm always kind of like, wait a minute, what, what did I say? <laughs> like I don't know. That's so I don't know. It's it's always fun to like pull those and kind of like highlight it. Again, right. it's it's the same principle as the uh, like the YouTube videos that you were de- describing. You know, it's a it's a way to kind of like just put more of what I'm doing out there because since streams are normally four to you know, eight hours long, it's hard for somebody to see everything at once. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you about the videos, but that kind of ties in for the same thing. Sure. So, I mean, no, it's, it's good. You can just kind of kill two birds with one stone. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But uh, well, I do so I, I do love what you're doing there. To, that, uh, to the videos, it, it, there was kind of a bit of, bit of a, like a wake-up call at the end of last year where I was, I was just kind of, you know, trying to lore, learn more about the space that I'm working in, the streaming space, because I want to keep growing and, and getting better. And there was somebody that planted the idea in my head that said, you are making four to eight hours of content every time you stream. What are you doing with that after you're done streaming? And for the most part, for the best part of two years, I was doing nothing. Like it was just staying on my Twitch page, which for those who don't know, uh, after I think since I subscribed to Twitch with the Amazon Prime thing, it'll stay for three months. But after three months, it's gone and it just disappears. So it's been more of like a push to keep... um, you know, reallocating the things that I'm making so that it's a it's a bigger footprint online. That's, that's definitely a smart idea. I kind of like that that kind of mindset, you know, because I did the I guess kind of in a, a similar vein. I did a show like the the last big stream I actually ever did uh, was a show Porter Nail that I do on YouTube. Uh, I got kind of got coaxed into some people. I said, "Why don't you do that live one time?" And I was like, "All right, well, let me see what I can do." And I set it all up, but in the back of my head, I was like, no, you know, not everybody's going to come here to watch this, so I don't want to lose it. So I actually recorded it, you know, uh, aside from what we were doing live. So you had two versions. You had the live version, and then you had the edited down video version that I put on YouTube that was more in line with what we normally do. So I kind of get, I kind of get where you're coming from with that. That's actually a very good move. Mm-hmm. Um, now I noticed on your website, you've recently started a podcast yourself. Uh, you I have. tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. I, uh, I'm kind of like dipping my toes into the water. I've, I've been listening to a podcast since 2007, I think, uh, you may be familiar with them. Rooster teeth. Um, I was a big fan of them, uh, you know, back in 2007 and they were putting out this long audio file. And I was like, man, I don't know if I'll ever be able to catch up to these because they were like already on episode five. And it was each one was about like two to three hours. And I just devoured it in a week. Mm-hmm. And I just kept listening since then. And in the back of my mind, I've always wanted to do one as well. And so I'm I'm glad that I'm kind of finally at the point um, where I'm starting to do that. It's, it's a podcast called Nobody Knows What We're Doing, uh, which I like to just bring people on and talk about the things that they are doing creatively and, you know, let them lay out their procedures and their process and, and, and mind frame behind it. And then at the very end, ask them, do you know what you're doing? And not <laughs> as like a condescending thing, but more of like to reassure anybody else that has ever felt insecure or, or unsure about their creative passions to let everybody know that we don't. 
But as long as you just keep moving forward and adding little by little, eventually you'll end up with, you know, something you're really proud of. At least that's what I'm trying, because even even the podcast itself is emblematic of that, because there's only two episodes and it's not really up anywhere because I'm still learning the ropes because I have right. never I've never done like audio editing or, or, you know, I'm still learning how to record the audio from people that I'm, I'm chatting with on different programs. So mm-hmm. it's a it's a fun learning experience. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I know that uh, when we started this podcast, obviously, we didn't know what we were doing, but it was mm-hmm. it was an idea that, you know, we, we just kind of batted around and said it'd be kind of fun just to see how it works and. Mm-hmm. You know, we if you if you actually go back and I've I've gone back and listened to episode one, I'm like, man, it just there's <laughs> such a difference because once you get into a groove and you know what you're doing, everything changes. You know, the mm-hmm. whole dynamic of it really changes. And I mean, give it some time <laughs> just to see where it goes. And I'd, I mean, 20 episodes down the road, you'll notice from episode one to, that, to where you are, it's just going to be night and day. And it's it's kind of amazing that way that that's how it works. Kind of like on a parallel note, I uh, I found out I didn't realize this until about maybe the last half of last year. I still had the original test recording from my first stream with like a video camera on because the very first one I ever did it was straight off my Xbox and I didn't have a camera or a microphone and so it was just purely testing. But um, as I you know fell more in love with streaming, I was pushing them a little further. And I finally added on a, a cam to the gameplay, mm-hmm. and uh, I I forgot that I recorded it. And me then versus me now, and it's just like you said, it's it's a night and day difference. <laughs> I did actually uh, while researching this when I spotted your podcast, I, I did listen to episode two that you did with uh, Careless Rex, and that was I, I liked what you were doing. I, I, I exactly what you said you were doing. You're asking questions. You're letting your guests kind of explain what their creative process is. And even at the end of the day, the the advice is good. You know, mm-hmm. just don't take yourself seriously. If you love what you do, just do it. Don't worry about right. anything else and uh, you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. So I, I really enjoyed what you did there. And I, I can't wait to hear any more that you have coming up. So thank you, man. Uh, now, are there any challenges that you would say that you face as a streamer? Um, I think, I think this challenge has always been there and I never had a way to articulate it until now. And I'm sure you've seen it kind of being brought up, um, cause it's, it's bigger than just me. And I'm glad that it's something that's starting to be talked about a lot more within us, our social circle, um, burnout and, mm-hmm. and taking breaks and the kind of the mental health that goes on behind this content creating, you know, wild west that we are chasing because for all for all you know intents and purpose it's still in its infancy and so for the first two years of me streaming i was just like headstrong stream 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 if i wasn't streaming i was thinking about streaming if i wasn't streaming and i could have been streaming i felt just like i really felt super guilty and uh you may have you may have been aware at the beginning of this year i ended up having to take like an entire week off Mm because i had just gotten to the point where i was so I'm always like, I've always been super self-deprecating, like as a way to kind of like pull the negative thoughts that I have out into the open so that I can hear them and realize that they're silly. But it had gotten to the point where I was actually starting to believe it. And I was really, really starting to like doubt myself. And so I knew that wasn't the case. So I just had to like step back and just like say, okay, I'm not going to turn on my stream computer. I'm not going to watch any streams. I'm not going to think about it. I'm just going to focus on the things that I need, you know, to recharge. Right. And so as a streamer, I think that's the biggest 
thing that I'm learning to come with. Cause even now, even after that week break, I still struggle with wanting to, or listening to my body when it says, Hey, you're going too hard at this. Cause I mean, I stream, I stream four hours, um, every stream I'll start at seven 30 and I'll go to midnight, go to bed and then usually wake up around five to five 30 for work. And mm-hmm. then I'll go to work in the morning, I should say five to five 30 in the morning to work. And so that's just not a healthy lifestyle. But if you read guides when you're first getting started, everybody always says the same thing. Always be online, always be streaming, be consistent. And it's just, it's, it's, I don't know. It's, I'm still learning that balance because yes, you need to always be there so that your potential audience knows when to expect you. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you're not Superman. So that that's, I think that's the struggle that I'm still, you know, working with as a streamer. Yeah, I, I can attest to the burnout. I'd say that mm-hmm. I had my first burnout at the end of last year because mm-hmm. this past year was probably the busiest I had been in a long time. It's finally as if every project I ever had just kind of came together all at once. And mm-hmm. then by the end of the year, I was just like, I just, I need a break. I need a yeah. break from everything. And it wasn't that I, I wasn't proud of what I was doing. It was just so overwhelming that I, I never had me time, you know, and mm-hmm. I think that's, that's key. So if, if yeah. yeah, if you're getting burnt out on something, you've, you've got to take a moment and I can, I can relate to that, you know, to anybody who has to do that. So that's good. And I'm and, so glad. And just based on I'm what so you were talking about, you were doing, <laughs> no, it's fine. I mean, based on what you were talking about doing uh streaming till 12 and having to get up at five 30, I, I couldn't do it. So, right. It's just it's not a sustainable thing. So that's that's one of the things that I'm I'm trying to find a way to balance. Um, but again, I'm I'm incredibly happy that within our social circles, I'm sure you've seen it on Twitter. It's it's becoming, you know, part of the forefront of the conversation. People are starting to learn to, like, back off when they need to. Right. And that's that's a good thing. And uh, my last question, which will kind of lead into our next segment. What have you been playing? Uh, I. I've been playing two things here lately. Three things. I I, um, I just finished Shadow of the Colossus, the PlayStation 4 nice. remake, uh, which was a really, really great game. Um, it, it, it's funny to me now that one of the lenses that I view games through is whether or not uh, it'll be a great stream game. Because mm-hmm. um, there are games that I've, I've had to kind of like pass on because I just don't stream them as well. Like story-based games, I yeah. can't focus on the story and chat at the same time. But... Uh, Shadow of the Colossus was one of those perfect games where there was a lot of downtime searching for the actual Colossus to fight and then the uh, the epic moments of the battle. Uh, have you played it before? Oh, yes. I have uh, fell in love with it back on the PlayStation 2. I think my brother had purchased it. I'd never mm-hmm. heard of it before, and he had it, and he's like, you've got to check this game out. And I, I just I, I didn't think anything about it, but then when I saw what it, it was, that it was just boss fight after boss fight but in the most mm-hmm. epic way possible i was like this is amazing right. who came up with this <laughs> you know every moment in that game is like a cinematic like snapshot oh like, yeah it's just incredible and the music oh my god the music oh. i had to buy the soundtrack i got a an import of the soundtrack because i loved it so much that i had to have that's it. amazing yeah it's 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 a phenomenal game. I, I when they d- put it on PlayStation Three, I was like, "Well, yeah, I gotta go get that." And then when at E three, I think it was last year, 
they had they were showing the trailer during the uh, PlayStation's big show. The moment I spotted that bridge, I jumped out of my seat. And goes ah ah, shut the closet. <laughs> and everybody was looking at me like, "What is wrong with you?" But I couldn't help it. I knew what it was, so I was excited. So yeah, I can't wait to play it myself. I, I've I've not uh, gotten my hands on it just yet, but it's it's definitely a buy. So yeah, I can't wait. It was my first time too. Like I, the game had eluded me for every, I guess from PlayStation two to PlayStation three, like it just it was never on my radar. I was like, now is the time. Like there's never been a better time to play this. Right. Cause it looks, it looks uh, gorgeous. I mean, oh, what yeah. they've done with it. So mm-hmm. I, I, I can't wait. Um, I've been playing monster hunter world. Uh, I, yep. I do not feel like I'm burnout on it at all. Uh, I, I feel <laughs> like I've hit the moment where everything's just going to get even better. Because I, I just just last night beat the Nergigante, which is like the big main monster they they showcase, and I did it by the skin of my teeth. <laughs> I, I, I thought this is going to be impossible because it's just like why won't he die? And I even had to at one point he was limping away. He had the death mark on him, and I looked at my inventory. I was like, I've got one potion two mega potions. There's no way I'm going to get through this alive. I've got to go back to camp. And I went back to camp and I come back and he's wide awake. And I was like, God, here we go. He's going to be a second wind on the guy, but I got him. So that's awesome. So I'm, I'm hoping that it'll step forward and we still need to play that too. You said you have it, right? Yes, I do. I, I've been working my way through that. Uh, but before, or what weapon do you use? I need to know. I love the great blade. I know that the a lot of blade. people seem to go with the faster ones. And this one is, can kind of come off sluggish but it's a powerhouse and i've gotten so used to the mechanics of it that i feel like i've, I've mastered them to the point where i, I don't want to use anything else mm-hmm. you know i know that it's slow but i'm gonna take a hit i'm gonna make him feel it <laughs> you know <laughs> so that that's no, yeah, my so weapon I'm, of choice i'm on the opposite end of that one i've been using the insect glaive a lot which i think it, it seems to be the most popular one that i've seen people uh, yeah. using and it, it's because of how quick it is uh, this was my very first Monster Hunter game. I've never played any of them. And whenever the beta was out, I ended up just kind of like streaming it on a whim. And that was the first thing I noticed was like, man, this game is like really chunky, really slow. Mm-hmm. And I just wasn't feeling, and not in a bad way. That's just how, like everything has weight to it. Like right. the, the Great Blade, I'm sure it packs a punch. But when I was playing it for the first time, I was like, this feels like running underwater. <laughs> and so I was like so ready to just give up on it. And luckily, one of my viewers was like, well, why don't you just go to the uh, tutorial and try out all the weapons? And so I was like, OK, I did. I'll, I'll go. I'll humor it. And I went and I found the insect glaive. And I you if, if I still had the VOD up, you saw my face just light up like a Christmas tree. Like I was the moment that I launched myself up with insect glaive. Mm-hmm. I knew that there was something special about this game. And I'm I'm happy that I'm finally to the point where I kind of feel like you feel about the uh, the, the great sword. Like, yeah, I I'm competent with it. I know what I'm doing. And for a game that has as many uh, mechanics and kind of a bit of uh, tedium to the mm-hmm. way that you play Monster Hunter, finally getting comfortable with that is what makes that game from being like, I don't know, to I'm hooked. Oh, yeah. And I'm wholeheartedly hooked. And I may have uh, mentioned this on the podcast before, but uh, one of the first times I ever played the series is uh, the third one, I think it was, Monster Hunter 3, that was on the Wii. And the only thing that kind of brought me to it, because it was foreign to me, I didn't know what it was, is a review I read was just talking about saying it's there's a learning curve. It's not for mm-hmm. everybody, but if you can learn it, you'll love it. And yes. that intrigued me. 
So I said, okay, well, I'll give this a, give it a go. And my first time through it, it was different. And I was mm-hmm. kind of like what you said. I was just like, I, I, I don't know if I can do this because mm-hmm. I got stuck on a monster. I think it was the Baroth of all monsters, but he kept <laughs> knocking me down. He kept killing me just so fast. And I was like, I, I, I can't do it. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Can't do it. I put it down and then came back to it. And then it's like the light switch came on. Like I got it. And from there on, I've been hooked. So yeah. I, I love games like that. They can just, I don't know. They're not like everything else. This is not like everything else. And I've, I've said it before. It's, it won't be for everybody, but nope. if you can figure it out, if you can learn all its mechanics, you will love it. Every aspect about it. So, all right. Well, I'm going to move us into our news section. And uh, like I said, if you've got uh, anything you want to chime in on, I'll, I'll even ask you after we're done with the story. Uh, okay. By all means, chime in. Uh, uh, first few stories I have, I guess we're going to start at the bottom and work our way up. And I, I mean that kind of in tone because I, there's been, there's been I won't really say a lot of bad news, but just a lot of down news, you know. But it, it's important for us. Uh, as gamers, we need to talk about it. Uh, first off is the FCC announced this week that net neutrality will actually end on April 23rd. Uh, the vote to end these regulations happened back in December, which obviously was controversial. Uh, despite this, uh, there are several states that are actually filing lawsuits regarding the vote, and several members of Congress are actually keeping the fight going. So we'll actually have to wait and see if Congress can create enough pushback to stop this from happening. Now, there was a little side story that actually popped up last week, and I didn't actually hear about it until today, is that the FCC chairman and net neutrality opponent Ajit Pai is actually under investigation for using his position of power with the FCC to help benefit Sinclair Broadcast Group, which is a company that is now working to acquire Tribune Media for about $3.9 billion dollars and would, in fact, benefit from the removal of net neutrality. So uh, it's it really does kind of paint a picture as to why he was so hell-bent on trying to get it removed. Right. And I, I think that the one thing I kept seeing brought up that was just like the perfect summary of what it is, is like when you have, I really wish I could remember the exact stat, but it was like something like 80% of people all on the same page and that they are in support of net neutrality and then they still go against it. Like, obviously, they weren't they weren't acting in the benefit of everybody else. There was oh, no. obviously, you know, shady stuff like this going on. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's I don't know. It's frustrating. Yeah. And I really kind of hope that something will happen between now and then. I'm very pessimistic about it because mm-hmm. I was I was kind of under that impression when you saw all the pushback and the people talking out or speaking up about it saying, we don't want it. And Mm -hmm. it still passed. It was just like, well, apparently the voice of the people just doesn't seem to matter. And it's sad, really. I I hate to say that, but I hope that's not going to be a growing trend. I think just right now, for whatever reason, you've got people in the position of power that are going to do what they want. And this is what we get stuck with. Right. So, and and not to go, too far into it. I think it's just a, it's very symptomatic of even bigger problems outside of just this one little FCC thing too. Exactly. So it's, it's, it's heartbreaking. It really is. Cause yeah. I mean, you've seen so much, so many amazing things created. I mean, we talked, we started the stream talking off about Twitch and streaming mm-hmm. and the way that communities have been brought together. 
I mean, you do away with net neutrality, we're going to see the death of that. Like you don't even going further back to what we talked about. You don't have a rooster teeth that starts up without a free Internet. And it's just I don't know. I'm, I'm glad that more people are starting to become aware of it. I just hope we're not too late. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, another story that's been weighing on people's minds here lately is the uh, shooting in Florida at Stoneman Douglas High School. One of the reasons I'm bringing this topic up is because our show talks about video games, and video games are actually being thrust back into the spotlight as the primary reason for such actions. Now, a few weeks ago, we saw that the governor of Kentucky take aim at video games, blaming them for the violence that occurred in Marshall County that took the lives of two students and injured 18 more, now we have Rhode Island Representative Robert Nardo Lillo. I, I have trouble with these names sometimes. Uh, <laughs> Nardo Lillo, that's what I'm going to call him. Uh, he's proposing a tax increase on violent video games in hopes of dissuading the purchase of these games. And even the president jumped on the bandwagon and even threw movies into the mix. All of this is happening despite the fact that numerous studies and statistics show no evidence to the contrary. Right. And I don't know why we keep having this conversation. I really feel like it's n video games are nothing more than a scapegoat because they have right. nothing else to point the finger at. Mm -hmm. I mean, what was the last controversial game that came out? I, I could not tell you. I think the last, to, to pull as far back as I can, the last one I remember, uh, and it, I don't even think it happened here, it was Left for Dead. Like, I remember there was a bit of an upcry because in Australia they removed, they toned down some of the blood mm -hmm. and that they didn't have, like, severed limbs. But two, Left for Dead came out in what, 2009, 2010, somewhere yeah, around there? It's, it's been a while. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> so, yeah, I just, this is this is one of those things, we've talked about it numerous times on, on the show before, it's... It's not video games. And if you want to place restrictions on it, fine. That's why they have rating systems. If you want to start pointing the finger and saying that, well, the kids are going to get their hands on it, look at the parents. Someone's got to be buying it for them. If the stores are not you know, prohibiting them from doing so, they need to, for one, because I know that R-rated movies are prohibited for 18, or kids under 18 from buying. I know that for a fact, or at least it has been, unless something's changed since... You know, I was 18 because it's been so long. <laughs> but, um, but I mean, why why not in, in violent video games? If it's M-rated, you, you've got to show an ID. I mean, it's not that hard. So I, I don't understand why they can't focus on those. I don't really understand what a tax increase on them is going to achieve. You know? I would like to, I'd like to see more focus on educating these parents on it. Cause I think for so long, you know, video games have had that trivialized. Oh, that's just kid stuff. That's just kid right. stuff. They want it, buy it for them. But I, if I'm not mistaken, there was a former Xbox employee named Steptoe who I, unfortunately I think he passed away last year. He was a big advocate for kind of explaining to parents that you need to take more time into what your kids are interested in. And in his case, this, he was specializing in video games. Mm -hmm. I'm not a parent. So I, I, I know I'm might be stepping on toes telling people how to parent, but I don't mean it that way. But I think it's a good nugget to take from it. Like, take time, research, you know, find out what these ratings mean and 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 take an active interest. Even if you don't like video games, you know, your kid does. And so take the time to learn. So hopefully we would see a push in that way and less on um, like a tax increase. Because I think uh, you guys were talking about it last week about the um, how they want to. Uh, have regulations on these predatory loot boxes and stuff like mm -hmm. that. It's scary. On one hand, yes, because the loot boxes are horrible. But once you start inviting that 
government into it. It's just a floodgate of so many horrifying possibilities. Yeah, and that was that was definitely something I wanted to kind of bring up because I don't really felt like we got anywhere with our conversation, but that is a concern I have because once mm-hmm. that happens, what what else is going to come through? And I feel like mm-hmm. something like this would easily go through because they're like, well, we've got to regulate video games. We've got to do whatever we got to do to make it safe for kids. And right. it'll just be one thing after another until the industry is having issues trying to get what they want out out. They can't mm-hmm. make the games they want because I feel like for the most part, video game developers and publishers, they have a lot of freedom, you know, to, to right. make the games they want. Because so, that's what the, the ESR... Am I saying that right? Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. The the braiding boards, you know, for the most part, that's why it popped up. It's like, hey, whoa, 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 you know, we can regulate ourselves. We're fine. We we can do this. But it wasn't until we started seeing these slow pushes of microtransactions and loot boxes and stuff that it's finally starting to gain, you know, mass attention. Right. So we'll see how that plays out. I, I kind of hope nothing will come of this. Um, mm-hmm. Our next story is uh, around Twitch, believe it or not. Uh, Twitch dropped some news that they were delaying their new community guidelines to ensure that they were they were clear before implementation. These guidelines mm-hmm. essentially outlined a code of conduct for streamers when they uh, broadcast, as well as rules against harassment and policies to help keep trolls in check, pretty much. Uh, however, some content creators had questions about the rules. They called them vague. And this is actually leading to the delay so Twitch could better clarify. Now, as of right now, these new guidelines are set to take effect on March 5th. Now, what are your thoughts on these guidelines? Was there anything in there that didn't seem clear to you, or are they affecting you in any way? Affecting me, no. Um, To kind of, like, paint a broad picture of what's going on is there's been a lot of, like, outcry on, on both sides about... How there's a lot of people trying to sexualize some of the streamers and, and they're using that as a way to get viewers. And then on the flip side, you have people that are taking matters into their own hand and publicly shaming these people to the point, you know, a, a, a streamer who's upset at another streamer can take their audience of hundreds of people and literally move them from their channel to another person's channel and just, bar, bar, you know, just a barrage of hate. Mm-hmm. And so it's just been coming this thing where I pop on Twitter and I see so many of even even my streamer friends, like I'll see them like I've got hit with trolls today. I need to take some time to step away. It's just too much. So it, what was once this like safe space and people were, were having. Let me do I want to rephrase that not a safe space. It's not a safe space. But for <laughs> me, it, it's, it was like a place that I could go to and relax. And to see that some of my streaming peers aren't getting that same thing because of these people that are taking the matters in their own hands, yeah, something definitely, you know, needs to be done about this. Um, I don't think Twitch is a stranger to being very vague. Uh, I'm sure you've seen I've been having issues with an emote because of their their um, their guidelines that say no single letter emotes, despite the fact there's like literally hundreds of them on Twitch. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm all for them taking time to step back and kind of clarify it a little bit more. Um, it's just a big task. I, I, I don't know how you do it, but hopefully they can figure out a way. Sure. Now they're also in the middle of a legal battle. I don't know if you heard about this. Uh, there's a former streamer known as Phantom Lord. His real name is, uh, James Varga. He had his uh, mm-hmm. channel deleted by Twitch due to the, their proclamation that he was in violation of their terms of service. Apparently, Varga owned a website where players could gamble with skins playing Counter-Strike Global Offensive, which was actually very lucrative for him. 
According mm-hmm. to Twitch, this was in direct violation to a set of rules they posted back on July 14th of 2016, which noted uh, such ideas were frowned upon. Varga filed a lawsuit uh, against Twitch, citing that the site committed a breach of contract, intentional interference with contractual relations, and intentional and negligent rep- misrepresentation in removing him from the platform. He also argues that he was under the impression that it was permissible based on communications he had with his partnership manager, despite the fact that they had posted these rule changes five days before his channel was deleted. Now, did you hear about that? Have you heard about that? Vaguely. I never heard it from the streaming side, but I had heard about how they, you know, he was profiting from the site that he had created. Mm-hmm. If it's the same case that I'm thinking of. Now, do you, do you kind of feel like something like this should be permitted? Because it sounds like gambling to me... I mean, obviously, but through a Twitch site, it's almost like you're inviting that for your site, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I, but but again, I'm not a, a streamer, so I want to hear it from a streamer's perspective. It's just, I don't know. It's just real. I don't know. It gets to be like real shady. And yeah. It just, it doesn't sit right with me. I, I don't like it. Well, I also kind of feel like that his argument doesn't really carry a lot of weight considering they posted rules about it five days beforehand. So if mm-hmm. he's going to argue, well, they weren't clear, they posted them, and I guess they kind of had a right at that point. So mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see where where that goes after the the lawsuit gets finished or whatever. But as yeah. of right now, that's where it stands. Uh, this is actually a story that happened on Thursday, and at what what's amazing about it is just the fact that two of these things happened in the same day. It's it's mind boggling. Uh, I'm sure you've heard of swatting. Yes. Yes. On uh, Thursday, there were actually two separate swatting incidents that occurred. On Thursday morning, SWAT officers responded to a call leading them to the Beverly Hills Hotel. Reports came in of a man being held by uh, severally, or several heavily armed individuals. However, upon their arrival, no evidence of the sort was found. And as of reporting this, there have been no callers, no gamers, nothing has been found. So they're still investigating that. And later that day, uh, 12-year-old streamer Pete Raleigh Ranchers Verady was targeted during a stream. Uh, he was streaming Fortnite. Police responded to a call that Verady and his mother were attempting to hang themselves. And he was actually, you actually had video. I got to see the video of this. Police arrived during his stream, and you kind of see him look away like someone's trying to call for him. He's away from his computer for a few moments. And when he comes back, the kids in tears because I I won't, I won't even imagine that his parents uh, or his mom was mad at him or anything like that. But after everything that's happened, especially the last incident that happened where someone was killed, I would be afraid too. I think, Mm -hmm. and I have no doubt that was what was on his face was fear, you know, that it could have went South really fast. So I don't know what can be done about this. I, I, I mean, this is new to me. I mean, hearing about it here recently, I didn't know this was a thing until someone got killed. And it's, I don't know what they can do. I'm I'm sure the police are just like, what what do we do? We can't not respond, Mm -hmm. but what do they do? You know? It's, it's, it's horrible. I mean, even because like on a small scale, like I've had people, I've had one person in my two years of streaming, like message me, like repeatedly being like, I'm going to find out where you live. I'm going to find out where you live. Mm -hmm. And then eventually I just blocked them. And it's, it's, 
I don't know. It's I that was one of the biggest fears that I had going into streaming was hearing these stories about swatting and and, you know, finding out your personal information and using it against you. But I'm at as I'm as as much a loss as you are on how you can actually stop this, because um, as it stands now, I'm not saying this is how it should be. Mm-hmm. But as it stands now, the best defense is to just be as as careful as you can with your private information. Sure. Um, and it, it's something that I probably should have been start doing a better job of beforehand. But it's something that's always on the forefront of my mind now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with you. So maybe something will come of this. Maybe I, I, I at least hope that when they find these people. It's swift judgment. They they could yes. really put it down to them because they. I feel like they need to do something. I won't say charge them with something, you know, too big, but the punishment needs to be severe enough to where right. other people are thinking maybe I shouldn't do this. You know, well, I mean, when it ends with people dying, then sure, maybe maybe yeah, because it's it starts out as a practical joke mm-hmm. and. And it's not. I mean, we have this generation, this younger generation that uh, this is probably going to date me, but it's the generation that I feel like does like do it for the lulls, like just do it for the laughs. Like they don't take into consideration their consequences. Mm-hmm. But to put it this way, I've, I've had I had the Internet explained to me the best way possible. We are still in the infancy of the Internet that we're honestly just toddlers reaching out for the first time and realizing, oh, yeah, we can knock stuff over. Mm -hmm. And so we have this younger generation that is doing things because, oh, it's so funny. You know, we're going to get this person, you know, the cops are going to get called on him because we made up a story and blah, blah, blah. But they don't realize that that's a real person. It's not it's not just a joke. And and so I it's. Well, that's what I was going to say earlier to, to add on to like the, the private, you know, being careful with your information. I think the only other thing you can do is take time, speak to your local police officer, speak to whoever and kind of explain like, hey, this is what I do. You know, this is things that happen. Here's my number. Stay in contact with them. That's advice from uh, a streamer I really like, like named Professor Broman. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just want to make sure that we add on to that for anybody that's listening to this and this is fearing it, too, because um, of as it stands, that's one of the ways to kind of counteract what's going on with it. That's definitely good advice. I kind of like yeah. that. All right. Well, now we're actually going to try to get into some lighter news <laughs> because I wanted to hit <laughs> a lot of those those harder ones first. That way we're not kind of going up and down. Uh, now, on Thursday night, uh, we had the 2018 DICE Awards. DICE took place in the last couple of days. Uh, they honored what they considered the best games of 2017. I just want to kind of brush over the uh, the list real quick. We had uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild win Game of the Year. Outstanding Achievement in Game Direction, Outstanding Achievement in Game Design, and Adventure Game of the Year. Have you played You've played that, right? I've seen you stream that, Oh, right? I, I've played it. It might be one of my all-time favorite games. It yeah. was my first Zelda game, and then it might honestly be one of my all-time favorite games now. Really? See, yeah. I've this is the one game, or Zelda game, I have yet to play. And I, I'm, I want to, you know? Mm-hmm. But it's just, I had, I, I've talked about it before. Nintendo burned me with the Wii U. You know, yes. I was all in. I had been all in with them since I was a kid. And then the Wii U comes around and it just kind of felt like, well, you let me down, man. So when the Switch comes around, and I see how awesome it is, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm a little apprehensive to go to it because I'm like, well, I'm kind of over here and this is kind of doing me fine for now. But maybe maybe I'll come over there eventually. Just mm-hmm. just not right now, you know, because I do. Right. I'd love to play Super Mario Odyssey as well. That looks fantastic. Yeah. Um. Next game that got uh, quite a few uh, awards was Cuphead, which game I love. Uh, it won Outstanding Achievement in Original Music Composition, Art Direction, and Animation. I, 
you tell me another game that could <laughs> sweep that this year because that they they earn those. Um, Horizon Zero Dawn got outstanding technical achievement and outstanding achievement in story. I will have to say that they probably had a one of the best stories for a video game in a long time. Oh, Just I agree. The I, I think Aloy, the main uh, protagonist of that, is probably even one of the coolest characters in video games in like in recent history. Like her story from start to finish is just was incredible. Like it's yeah. I'm 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 hoping and I don't doubt it that you know she'll be around for a while. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, Lone Echo Echo Arena won immersive reality uh, technical achievement and immersive reality game of the year. Snipper Clips won Dice Sprite Award and the Family Game of the Year. Those are two games I'm not familiar with. So I can speak to Snipper Clippers. Snipper Clippers is a really great game. It's on the Nintendo Switch. Oh, yeah. And it's a, it's a puzzle-based game where essentially you're two pieces of paper. And you play it. You can play it solo, but the beauty of that game is when you play it with a friend. And so what you do is you slide off the Joy-Cons and you hand it to a partner and they each turn into a controller. And you will... The, 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 the main mechanic is you'll take the two pieces of paper, kind of overlay yourself where you can kind of like rotate and angle and you push X and you can cut where you overlap so that you create all these awesome shapes. And so then you'll take that and use the shapes that you make to solve, solve puzzle like physics puzzles. Um, for okay. example, uh, there's one puzzle where you're, you're two rectangle pieces of paper. You've got to angle yourself in a way that you cut out a curve in one player and then you push a button and a basketball drops on top of that player so that the player can take the ball at, at almost like cupping it and put it into the basketball goal huh. and it's just little puzzle things like that that does sound interesting it's a really, look that up now. it's a really cute game <laughs> uh next game uh PUBG, which i've never played have you ever played PUBG? I i have I've, I've i've heard a lot of good things i've just i just have never played it it's so simple that it's incredible to me that it hasn't been done before right. uh just like the gist of it like you know 100 people drop in last one standing wins and the beauty of that is how like just in and out you are like you you drop in and as a terrible player i probably die within like the first five minutes <laughs> right. um and so i don't have to wait for that match to end i can just reboot into another match and just keep constantly playing and that adrenaline rush of knowing that the map is like slowly circling in on everybody mm -hmm. it and forcing everybody into the same spot so you can't just hide around until you're the last one standing it's it's i think i saw a review that described it as perfectly imperfect it has a lot of issues mm -hmm. but when it gets down to the core of it it is such a great gameplay loop um and it's 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 a fun one I'll definitely have to check it out. I've been wanting to. It's just it's not been there yet. I have such a backlog that it. I don't <laughs> yeah. think I could fit this in. Uh, but it actually won Outstanding Achievement in Online Gameplay and Action Game of the Year. And then our last few, I'm just going to kind of brush through because those were the ones that got more than one. Uh, Mobile Game of the Year uh, was Fire Emblem Heroes. Handheld Game of the Year is uh, Metroid Samus Returns, which I want to play. Same. Uh, strategy simulation game of the year is Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle. Mm -hmm. I kind of want to play that, <laughs> you know? I have played it. It's it, uh, it's a very fun game. I, I, <laughs> I've I talked about this all the time on stream. I am not the best when it comes to strategy games. I overthink myself way too easily. 
um, I had given XCOM a shot and that was so intimidating and so like, yeah, like hardcore and, and, and very dark and grim that I just ended up like stepping away from it. Mm-hmm. Mario, Mario Rabbids, uh, again, being with the backdrop of Nintendo and then the Ubisoft characters, uh, it's very welcoming and it actually, it's, it's a fun place to learn to play those strategy games. It's, right. it's a really good one. I definitely want to check it out. Uh, sports game of the year is FIFA 18. Role playing game of the year was near automata. Racing Game of the Year is Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Fighting Game of the Year, Injustice 2. I've talked about that. I've played that numerous times, so yeah, I can attest to that. Uh, Outstanding Achievement in Sound Design went to Super Mario Odyssey. And the uh, Outstanding Achievement in Character went to Senua of Hellblade. I've actually heard that is a good game, too. That's another one I haven't played, but uh, a lot of people have said that. She's a great character. Oh, yeah. uh, Also, uh, last night, or... Thursday night for those who were listening on Monday. Uh, the Lifetime Achievement Award uh, was given to Ginyo uh, Takeda. I hope I'm saying his name right. I just do this all the time. Uh, honoring <laughs> his outstanding work with Nintendo, uh, Takeda was responsible for developing games like Punch-Out! and Star Tropics, and he was heavily involved in the development of every Nintendo console since the N64. He actually retired from the company in 2017, but still remains close to the company as a special corporate advisor. A well-deserved award for someone who helped build their legacy, I believe. So, good. It's good to see these... And I was actually saying this recently, you may have heard it, uh, to see a lot of these icons from Nintendo retiring, (laughs) and you think, they made that game that I loved as a kid, and they're, they're retiring. It just, it makes me feel old. You, uh, I'm actually glad you brought that up because I remember listening to that on the the last episode, and I I kind of get that feeling of feeling old, but it's almost exciting in a way that we are now getting to the point where the people who are making games though are the people who grew up with that birth mm-hmm. of video games. Like they literally from the start of video games to now have witnessed it change and evolve all these years, and so they go from being the people that like devoured these games and, and knew every nuance about them and secrets and stuff. And I, I hope that this is a, a, a brighter future for us because now they're in the position to start making games and for especially sure. as, as, as accessible as tools are, I hope it's a, it's a testament to a bright future of gaming. And I'm, I don't know, like you said, great, great achievement, uh, uh, deserved. And it's cool to see the passing of the torch. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, next story I've got is this week, or last week, Sony launched My PlayStation, which is a new website that allows you to stay in touch with your PlayStation when you're not at home. Uh, it's essentially <laughs> the PlayStation app that you have on your phone, but it's on the PC. And, and if you've had the, if you actually have the app, it's actually pretty cool. The way they've kind of redesigned it, uh, everything's pretty accessible. So I, I kind of like being able to see my friends there and go to the store if I want to purchase a game or I want to look at, see how much anything's going for. Uh, but this uh, website will actually allow you to edit your profile without being logged on to your PS4. So that's pretty cool. That's pretty nifty. Yeah. yeah. The, the quality of life kind of addition. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, next story is, uh, I want to ask, I'm pretty sure you're a Mario fan. Uh, I've heard of it. Uh, you've heard of it, maybe. Uh, <laughs> do you think you know everything there is to know about the most recognized video game character in the world? Uh, I'm willing to, to have a crack at it. Okay. Do you want to know everything about Mario? 
that's part of his charm, right? That he's kind of like a uh, like a blank slate for you to to imp- imprint yourself on. Right? I don't know. I like kind of the allure. Well, if you do, you're going to be in luck because Nintendo has teamed up with Dark Horse once again to bring you the Super Mario Encyclopedia. This is will be <laughs> an extremely detailed look at the history and evolution of the characters spanning over 30 years. Now, based on the information that I got, it sounds like that they're going to be focused more on the main series of the games. So, from mm-hmm. like Super Mario Brothers up to Super Mario Odyssey. Uh, not really focused on Donkey Kong and, and Punch-Out and all the side games they did at Mario Kart probably <laughs> wouldn't be in there. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if there are like sections dedicated to it, just to kind of be like, yeah, he was in that. Just just so you know. Uh <laughs> But it would be pretty cool just to just to see wh- how detailed they get. Because did you ever see the? Um, I think it was like a Zelda encyclopedia that they did. No, that sounds amazing. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty hefty book. I don't see it on my bookshelf anywhere, but uh, it's a, it's a pretty hefty book, and it's just such a detailed history of Zelda. So much so that they even went and laid out the timeline for every game. Wow. And that's cool. Yeah, it just it, it showed you how detailed they got. And, and they even worked with Nintendo to make sure that it was properly set. So, you know, every detail you need to know about every game from old Nintendo Game Boy. And I think it ended uh, with what was the, the last one that came out before before Breath of the Wild? Yeah. Twilight. Oh, yeah. No, uh, Skyward Sword. Skyward Sword. There you go. I said I think it came out around the same time that Skyward Sword came out. So it was, it was pretty cool. Uh, this book will actually be released on October 23rd of this year for thirty nine ninety nine. I think I would actually pick it up. Because yeah. I, I enjoyed that Zelda book, and I think this would be pretty cool too. I think you just told me that'd be cool to like kind of delve into the history of, of the game uh, for each each section. Oh, yeah. And I think, I think if they would actually talk to, or I'm sure they will, uh, mm like Miyamoto-san, and, and just kind of pick his brain on what he was thinking. Because hearing certain interviews, when you hear about where he comes up with ideas for games, it's just the, the simplest things. You know, like he came up with the Dogs because he liked playing with his dog, and he's like, hey, this would be a good game. So mm-hmm. where did the idea for Mario Brothers really come from? It's like, uh, hey, a plumber, he would, he would be a good game idea, so I'll just put him in pipes <laughs> and, and mushrooms everywhere. I don't know. I'm sure it's a little bit more complicated than that, but it's it, it's just fun to it would be fun to pick his brain. Uh, the next story I have is if you were unfamiliar with the series game series Earth Defense Force, have you ever heard of Earth Defense Force or EDF? Not at all. No. Okay. Nope. Well, I'm going to sell it to you then. Uh, it's time you got educated. The series is simple. You got alien bugs invading Earth, and you have to kill them. Pretty cut and dry. Sounds standard. Now, uh, you gun them down with whatever weapon you can collect and have at your disposal. Now, after each area that you go through, you can collect all these boxes with health and and weapons and, you know, get a new set of weapons. You can take those back into battle. It could be anything from a rifle, you know, sniper rifle, grenade launchers, lasers. There's there's so many weapons. I don't even know how to even (laughs) get through them all. There's just so many (laughs) options you have. Um Obviously, it's a little bit more complicated than the way I'm making it sound, but what more do you want? You just go out there and you just destroy all the alien bugs, big giant ants. Now, that said, uh, Japan is getting a treat, one that I truly hope will make it stateside, as players of EDF5, which is the newest game they have released that has yet to come stateside, 
uh, will be able to you will be able to take part in an event where the Earth Defense Force gets to team up with the Roughnecks of Starship Troopers. Now, not much is known outside of the announcement trailer that they showed the series protagonist Johnny Rico getting into the action. So one would hope that you would get to play as either him or as a roughneck. Either way, I'm sold, man. You sold me at Starship Troopers. I'm there. So, uh, but hopefully, makes it here so you can play that out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, now, if if you've never tried this out, if you got twenty bucks laying around, EDF Four, I think, is on PlayStation and might be on another platform. I don't know, but uh, I I'd never heard about it, and uh, I don't know if you know uh, Gabe. On uh, Twitch, uh, he goes by Nascent Games. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he created uh, the game Crumple. I don't know if you heard about that. No. Okay. Well, anyway, he's a, he's a real <laughs> cool dude. We've had him on the show uh, like way way back, and he was just like, "Guy, you got to try this out. It, it's pretty fun." And he's been wanting to get other people to play with because if you can play with a group, that makes it even better. So if you got friends to go around and shoot everybody with, or the the aliens, and it's just. It's simple, but it's so fun, especially if you got friends to play with. So I would recommend it if you can check it out. EDF. Yeah. Uh, All right. Next story I've got is, um, and what would be considered, I'd say, one of the most unexpected crossovers of all time, Sonic the Hedgehog and Pac-Man are crossing over, but not in the way you would expect, like in the same game, but rather in characters in each other's games. Now, I know that sounded a little confusing, so let me clarify uh, Bando, or Bandai Namco and Sega have teamed up to allow Sonic to be a playable character in the mobile versions of Pac-Man and Ms. Pac-Man. And conversely, they will both be playable characters in the mobile game Sonic Dash. This will all be part of a limited time promotion running now between now and March 20th, and if you earn enough respective items within each game, those characters will be permanent to your game. And I will say for transparency's sake, I know you could see them both together in Smash Brothers at one point. So I'm just saying that that said, the idea is cool, you know, cross gameplay. And I was actually thinking about this as I was writing this. Has that been done? Like taking two characters from two completely different games and then mishmash them into a game that would. Yes. Oh, I don't know what I was thinking. Uh, Professor Layton and, and Phoenix Wright. They did a, a right. 3DS game, and oh yes, that was the perfect marriage of both their game styles. Why didn't it, that? That was what was bugging me that entire time. I was like, <laughs> you know what this game is, and it just hit me. Okay, <laughs> there. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna add Mario Rabbids, but they went even one further. They went two different properties, and then two a genre that neither of them have been in. Yeah, that's so very those, true. The, it's a testament to that the mix match can can work. It can breathe new life into familiar franchises. Oh yeah, and that's it's it's really good when they they find a way to do it right because even I mean not to say that Smash Brothers isn't doesn't do it right, but how they bring these characters in, even just some of the the oddball ones like they I know they did uh, Solid Snake and Cloud yeah. and Rayu in in the last iteration, and they just don't seem like they should be there, but it works. I remember, I remember when uh, Snake was announced for that Smash Brothers. Mm-hmm. A friend was telling me, and I was convinced he was lying to me. <laughs> I was like, "No, there's no way. That doesn't make sense." To it me doesn't. At all. It didn't. It was just like, "No way. Come on." And this... so that was back before like having phones that readily available. So I went the whole school day just being like, "Shut up. That's you're, you're not. <laughs> you're lying." 
No, I, I agree with you. It was just, it was a hard pill to swallow. And you're like, this is, this is legit, right? Seriously? Because I think even before that game, I think the game prior was, um, I think that one was Brawl, where, where Solid Snake came in. I think it was Melee before that. There was this rumor that you could unlock Sonic and Tails, and it turned out to be a hoax. So you're just, you feel like you're getting kicked in the face again. It's like, no, I'm not falling for this one again. You can just if lie. I'm not mis- <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, because, man, my if my childhood could be summed up, my gaming childhood could be summed up, it was just chasing so many dumb rumors. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I, if, if I'm not mistaken, in Super Smash Bros. Melee, it was, you had to survive the super hard uh, metal wire frame dudes oh, for yeah. a certain amount of time and like, you could unlock Sonic. And the amount of time that I wasted trying to do that, mm-hmm. again, as somebody who's really bad at video games, the amount of time that I wasted trying to do that is just, I'm so glad we now have a lot easier access to the internet to fact check this stuff. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm I'm one of those guys that did it too, so don't feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I don't even remember how far I got because it was just impossible. So I was like, no, oh, yeah. I'm not doing this. Uh. Next story I have is that uh, we may have mentioned on previous episodes that Mag- Mega Man is turning 30 this year. And uh, there are numerous items being er, releasing in celebration of the Blue Bombers Big Day, like Legacy Collection games. There's actually Mega Man 11s coming out, which I'm excited for. Uh, but if that isn't enough, you can go a step further and grab yourself a limited edition Mega Man bicycle. This bike will be decked out in blue with numerous 8-bit nods to its past. And if that isn't enough, you can also net yourself a matching jersey. With all that being said, this does seem to be a Japan-only thing, because they always get the good stuff. Always. Right. And importing the bikes will probably cost you more than the initial $2,700 you're going to have to fork over for the bike. So... I don't know if I'm that big of a Mega Man fan. Yeah. You know, I, I've actually thought about when I read about things like this, these things, it's just, they they do sound really cool. It's like, ah, yeah, that would be kind of awesome, but I just uh, don't, uh, maybe I'm just not that big of a fan, you know? <laughs> but, I mean, it's cool that it's out there. It's just not for me. I probably could use a bike, but I'll, I'll go get one somewhere else for a lot whoa, less. Whoa, whoa. We'll print out some stickers for you, and you can put it yeah. on your bike. <laughs> I got my own Mega Man bike. <laughs> uh, the last little bit of news I have is just in our rumor mill. I'm just going to throw out a few rumors and kind of get your feedback, yay or nay, eh, if you care or not. Uh, I'm actually going to throw this one out because this one I don't feel like is a rumor anymore. I think it's actually been confirmed is that uh, Fortnite Battle Royale is uh, getting a John Wick character skin and weapon. Mm-hmm. So... I guess I've I've got Fortnite. I've just yet to play it. It's it's one yeah, of those I'm games I've got to get around to. I feel bad that like it it's the it you should never judge a game on its aesthetic. But for whatever reason, the aesthetic just does not click with me. So I have like stayed away from it. And, and, and I don't that, know why. I've heard that same thing. You know, I've heard people who've actually played it say, "Oh yeah, it's just like PUBG." But then I've heard people who will say, "Okay, but." Look at it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it looks like an old Spice commercial where Terry Crews jumps into, like, a video game world, like, come to life. Which yeah. sounds like it'd be cool on paper, but I just feel like I'm going to be screamed at for, like, 20 minutes. Yeah. You're just like, eh, I don't know if I want to do that. Uh, another uh, rumor is that Diablo 3 is coming to Nintendo Switch. That seems like a perfect, like, marriage of games. Like, I... I 
didn't get to play it too long because I unfortunately got matched with somebody mm-hmm. who was really good at the game, and I was literally just walking through the levels because <laughs> he would like clear rooms and not let me like actually learn what to do. Mm-hmm. But I know enough about that game to know that that would be an amazing Switch game because of the portability. No, oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, another rumor uh, around the Switch is that Super Smash Brothers is also coming to the Switch, but from what I've heard, it'll be the Wii U version, like a port of that. But right. uh, rumors are also suggesting that we, it'll be like a full version, so all the characters and everything will roll mm-hmm. over. So, kind of similar to what Mario Kart Eight Deluxe did. Yeah, which uh, that would be a buy for me, you know, because me personally. Out of the the Smash Brother games, I absolutely loved Brawl. For me, yeah. that was the pinnacle of what they did right. Not to say that this, mo- this one was bad, but I don't know. I I, I missed the the story mode, and and that for whatever yes. reason, I missed that. Mm-hmm. You know, everything they did right about that in Brawl is just like, well, here's some fighters, and you can you can fight with them. There you go. It just, I don't know. This might be a little too TMI, but I remember when Super Smash Brothers Brawl came out. It was on, it was on the Wii, and mm-hmm. so you had the nunchucks. That's why I played because I didn't shell out for the actual real controller. And I played Super Smash Brothers Brawl for so much that the white nunchuck analog stick turned pink because I was just spending all my time. It was from my thumb. All my time was spent playing that game that I changed the color of that analog <laughs> stick. Wow. So, yeah, and I, I loved uh, the the Wii U version. But there was just something special about Brawl. I think it just hit me at the right time where I was at the age where I had a, a, the right amount of free time, too. Yeah. So it just it, that's why it probably stuck with me, too. For sure. No, it was, it was to, fantastic. To add on just a little bit more, um, I, I would be excited for a, a Switch version of that Wii U version game. Um, but I, I think I'd want something new. But I'm almost wondering how much we're going to see this trend of porting Wii U games to the Switch. Because yeah. it was a console that a lot of people skipped out on. Like you said, you felt burned. Uh, to which I will, I want to go to bat for the Wii real quick. I don't think it was a bad console. I think people had a bad taste of the Wii. Even though it like it sold a lot, there was so much shovelware that was on that console yeah. that it ended up just becoming like a throwaway toy. Like it would lost steam so quickly, even though it sold so much. There were there were great games on the Wii U, but they were very far and few apart. And, and that... so you would play one. And then it would be months before the next one or even years. Mm-hmm. And so it just, you know, everybody kind of moved on. Uh, it almost makes a lot of sense to start slowly moving those over there to the Switch now that it's got, because it's already outsold the Wii U in yeah. less than a year. Mm-hmm. So I think we'll start seeing this. I would like a new Super Smash Brothers, but I think it's probably going to be the ported one. At least for now. I mean, yeah, fingers crossed we'll get a new one at some point because I, yeah. I would love to see it. You know, I would mm-hmm. if, if they said brand new Super Smash Brothers, that's another selling point for me to want to go over to the switch sooner. You know, mm-hmm. I just, I've yet to do it even though I have reasons to, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it's like you said with the Wii U, I, I was, I was burned because of the lack of games, you know, because th- there were, I mean, the games that I got early on, they were new to me. You know, I'd never played Arkham city. I'd never played Assassin's Creed. Uh, even their, their original titles that they had on there, Super Mario 3D Land, I loved, or 3D World, I think it was, because Land was on 3DS. I don't know. Right. Um, I mean, they were fun games, but mm-hmm. there just came a time when it was doing nothing but collecting dust. Yeah. And I was just like, I want to play a game. And then someone was like, mm-hmm. well, why don't you get a PlayStation 3? They're pretty cheap. And I was like, okay. 
and then I've <laughs> done nothing but play PlayStation since because I, I, I don't have time for all the games anymore, you know, and that's right. that's insane. I never had that problem with Nintendo, which I, <laughs> I guess now I shouldn't really complain about, you know, because I had, it was just like, well, I'll replay this one because I like it. It's fine. So, anyway, uh, but that was our that was our news. Uh, now I'm going to move on to our weird news, and I will say that uh, this this bit of weird news isn't really as weird as usual. But um, I found them to be fascinating stories. It didn't really fit into the usual news narrative. Um, the first one I have is um, it, it, I, I found it to be quite awesome, especially if it's uh, uh, you know issues with a parent or anything like that having. Uh, kids that play their video games all day and they're, they're trying to get them to do something. Uh, there was a mother in Japan that decided she was so fed up with her child spending extraneous amounts of time playing video games, she took uh, the time to lock the console, but not in the way you would think. She actually took it a step further and padlocked the power source through the prongs. <laughs> so he could not even plug it into the wall. <laughs> wow. So uh, the the, the kid actually had a pretty good sense of humor about it, and he posted pictures on Twitter saying that his mom went too far. Uh, and despite how that even sounded, he seemed to have a pretty good sense of humor about it. You know, just ha- interactions with other Twitch user, or Twitter users. So that was kind of pretty funny. You know? <laughs> I would I would get a good chuckle out of it. Yeah, I've even heard like. Uh, I don't know if he said this in jest or if he was actually serious about this, but there's a man named Bernie Burns at Rooster Teeth mm-hmm. uh, who also has two younger children, and he said that whenever he punishes them, he just makes them do grinding quests for him in video games so that he doesn't <laughs> have to do it. I like so that. I like we're going to start seeing more creative ways to, uh, to you know, parent your kids with video games. That's very good. I like that. I'm going to put that in my back pocket. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the next little bit of weird news I have is if uh, we've all played Nintendo We've eaten Nintendo. We've worn Nintendo. But prepare to wear them unlike never before, as Bloomingdale's has teamed up with Nintendo with a new array of Nintendo-themed clothing called the Let's Play line, meant to take your love of Nintendo beyond t-shirts, because that's all I've ever seen. I'm sure there's sneakers. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, This new clothing line will range from t-shirts and other shirts obviously to boxer shorts and even swimsuits so get out your nipples guys because you can look like mario too i kind of uh, i kind of hope that the swimsuit actually just turns out to be the frog suit from super mario world 3 that would be amazing. I, would, I would get that Super mario Bros. 3 yeah <laughs> i would i would pay for that too <laughs> same just just go out there and sit on the the beach in a little frog suit people are like what's wrong with this guy like a onesie you can wear underwater oh yeah <laughs> Uh, there will also be exclusive merchandise offered up as a as part of Bloomingdale's spring campaign, as well as special in-store events and activations for in-game items. The campaign will kick off on March 10th in stores and online. So I'm I'm a little curious. I'd like to see what maybe they're they're showing because I I saw I think it was a pair of box not boxer shorts but swim trunks and it had Mario on the side of it. So it was like okay cool but. I guess I want to see the full array, see if there's anything that would actually catch my eye. Right. Because I've gotten nostalgia for Nintendo. We've been talking about it most of the show today. <laughs> and uh, I, I, despite what I've said, I'll, I do love them. They've done me right for many, many years. If it wasn't for them, I wasn't, wouldn't be a gamer today, I don't think. Or at least the gamer okay. that I am today. The first game I remember playing was Super Mario Brothers. So, yeah, they've, they are part of my video game upbringing. For sure. 
All right, now we're going to talk about our little topic, and I think we'll have a little bit of fun with this. Um, mm -hmm. Here recently, we've seen a growing trend of games getting the remake treatment. We've got Shadow of the Colossus, Secret of Mana, uh, having you know re remakes in the last few weeks. Uh, we've got games like Final Fantasy VII getting a huge overhaul in gameplay. Uh, with these ideas in mind, our topic today is asking, what game would you love to see remade today, and in what way would you remake it? Now, in hopes of keeping it focused just a little bit, I want to hear about games that you remember fondly but have possibly fallen by the wayside. Something that you maybe never had a sequel. Maybe you've never seen another version of that game, but it was just like that one game that just stuck with you. And you're like, why did this game never go anywhere beyond that one game? And, if we can, uh, we'll try to go more than one game if we've got time. Uh, and also want to make sure that if... if you have ideas for making it better if you have an idea that would make my suggestion of a game better. By all means, chime in. I want to see if we okay. can make a, a good remake. So I'm going to let you go first. What what game would you love to see remade? So there was an old game called Donkey Kong Jungle Beat mm -hmm. for the GameCube. Do you, did you ever hear about this game? I do remember that, yes. So it, the beauty of this game was that it was like any a lot of Nintendo games. It was a platformer. You were Donkey Kong and, you know, you're going around collecting bananas, beating bosses and stuff like that. But what made this game incredibly special was that you didn't use a traditional controller. You used bongos. It was a mm -hmm. plastic set of bongos. So there was two drum heads. And whenever you wanted to move forward, you would tap on the right one. If you ever wanted to go backwards, you tapped on the left one. You tapped them at the same time. You jump. And then if you clapped, you would grab onto stuff. So I remember, like, I think this game came out in, like, 2005, so I would have been 15. And I was I, it was a whole summer where I was just, like, blown away with this game. And I to the point that I was getting in trouble because I was just sitting there, like, <laughs> banging on those drums all day. And, you know, banging, 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 and then clapping and just going on and on and on. And it was it's probably one of the most unique games that I just have such fond memories of. And unfortunately, they never went anywhere with it. They did kind of like a, a remake but it was more of a port from the gamecube to wii mm -hmm. but they got rid of the bongos and they kept the motion controls of the joystick and the um the um i forgot what they called the motion control thing and so it wasn't quite the same experience i would love to see that game be remade uh and to the point where i i would still want the bongos yeah. um I, i've reached a point in my life where i am trying to consolidate like i don't want as much stuff like, I'm tired of, like, I, I don't want Amiibos. I don't want any of these plastic figurines. I just want, like, I want everything digital, but I would make an exception for these bongos. Right. Um, and I think I think it makes sense that you would do it on the Switch uh, because the easiest way to get people into it would be to use those two Joy-Cons as your motion controls for the people who would rather that way. Um, but I, I would really sincerely hope they bring the bongos back with it. Okay. And a way that I think that they could kind of, like, modernize it a bit Mm -hmm. would be to add uh, online multiplayer because the idea of racing somebody to the edge of the side-scrolling level on bongos is just infinitely hilarious to me <laughs> to just watch two people like try and like just beat on the drum as fast as they can. Right. Um, I don't know. I think it could be a really, really fun way to, to revitalize that one. It does sound pretty good. I never, I never did get to play it, but I do, I do remember it. I do remember the bongos, but it was just, it was never anything that I got my hands on. So there, there was like a confusing thing because there was Donkey Kong Jungle Beat, which was one that I love. It was it was it had story, but as far as Nintendo goes, story. So it was kind of it was light. <laughs> right. um, 
it was a campaign, it was side-scroller, it was platformer. But there was another one called Donkey Konga, if I'm not mistaken. And that one was just straight-up rhythm-based. Like, it was, it was like Guitar Hero, but with bongos. And so I didn't play that one. It didn't really interest me because mm-hmm. I wanted a little bit more meat to it. Donkey Kong Jungle Beat was the one that really, really got me. Very cool. I think there have been... Well, I don't want to say that there have been, but the way you're kind of describing it, there are other games that I can remember that are that kind of have that similar playthrough. You know, that it's not your traditional controller pick them up and go through adventure game. There's another element mm-hmm. to it that just kind of makes it unique in a way. Right. So I, I do like that when they can take an idea and just kind of flip the script a little bit and try to find a way to make it a unique playthrough. So I do mm-hmm. like that. Um, my game, or at least my first game, is, I had to really think on this because I was like, what, what game have I never talked about that I've never seen recently that I would love to see a remake of? And one kind of popped into my head that I haven't thought about in years, and that was Adventure Island. Do you remember this game? No, I don't think I've heard of this. Okay, Adventure Island, um, from what I can recall, and there may be more uh, games out there that I just don't know about. But uh, from what I can recall, there were three games on the Nintendo, one game on the Super Nintendo, and th- again, there may have been more, but all it was is it was a simple platformer. You were a character, I think they called him Master Hudson for some reason. Mm-hmm. That's that's what's kind of coming to mind. Um, but you just kind of platform through these little islands, you know, dodge the enemies, whatnot, and in the first one, it was kind of simple. I don't really think I had a lot of fondness for the first one because it was just, it was kind of difficult, but it just in the way that uh, some of the controls were a little sloppy, I, I kind of feel like. Uh, but you could hop on a little uh, skateboard, and that was kind of the, the big deal with that. But the second one is where they kind of amped it up because it went from just being level to level, and then they kind of made it like it was a real island, and you were going from place to place, and then they gave you animal companions to ride on that you could find like crack open a little egg and you find a little animal companion in there and they all had different abilities and then they would help you get through the level. So as I'm sitting there trying to figure out what they could do to really amp this up, do you try to emulate just the platform element of it and just kind of update the graphics and make it look gorgeous like that? Or do you really encapsulate the idea of adventure Island and you make it this big sprawling, island that you get to explore as this character and then just find ways to incorporate those elements from that game so that one's kind of stumped me a little bit trying to figure out which would would be the best way to go because you don't want to abandon the ideas and the concepts that made the originals work so well and mario did it in a way that it just worked you know they didn't take away anything from it they added to it and for whatever reason, it didn't feel foreign. It felt like this is the natural progression of this character. So I'm trying to think, would that be a way to do that without hurting the the concept of what those games were? Because they were just, they were simply platformers, you know, right. run from one end to the other. And I think it can be done because, I mean, Mario, because... Mario Odyssey kind of really expanded a little bit. It's still a little capped in the way that you visit the worlds. They're not as big as you would have liked them. Mm-hmm. But the way they kind of like reinvented the wheel in a way that made so much sense was instead of it being power-ups that you would get, you you captured the enemies. And it right. created such a variety of way to continue like platforming with it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it can be done. I think you can expand the scale and kind of have a full-on you know island to explore. 
I think that would be, be really- yeah, that would be the fun way for me to 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 kind of look at it for today's standards. That's that's kind of mm-hmm. what I would like to see. But something tells me if it ever comes to fruition, it'll be HD remakes, polished up graphics, and whatnot, which it could be fun. But yeah. I don't know. I want to see it progress. I want to see it go somewhere else, somewhere different. So, but I I did I did love playing it. At least the second one. I don't think I ever beat it because they got. It's one of those games that's a platformer, but at the time that I was playing, I wasn't very good. So mm-hmm. I got as far as I could, and it was just like, oh, why? <laughs> that's just the only place I can ever get, man. <laughs> so I wondered today if I could actually beat it or not, but uh, it was challenging. So I wouldn't want that to go away either. Right. Do you have another game you'd yeah, like to? Yeah, um, to kind of keep on this platforming train, uh, I'd like to see Super Mario Sunshine kind of get a revisit. Uh, I don't know necessarily if... if they would be so bold and do a sequel, although I'd love that. Um, it would be, you know, a fresh coat of paint, HD, you know, running at 60 frames. I think they would do wonders for that game. Mm-hmm. But I think a way that you can add to it uh, that I saw in Odyssey um, was to add a leaderboard in little mini games. Oh, yeah. It, it seems like that's not that big of an addition, but take it from somebody who got really addicted to a mini game and to Mario Odyssey called Cooper Racing, mm-hmm. where you would essentially try and, and finish the level as fast as you could, and you would add your rank among all your Switch friends. That would be awesome because these Super Mario Sunshine was such a fun place to kind of just roam around in and do all these trick jumps and use the jetpack. I think if you added that leaderboard and those mini mini game racing style stuff to it, it would breathe so much more life to it. Not to mention having it updated and look. I don't know. It's weird. Living in in a perspective of streaming games, mm-hmm. having the ability to just go and do something crazy and know that I'm going to have it recorded. Um, it's almost like stunt games, like trick games, kind of yeah. like almost Just Cause 3. Mm-hmm. Uh, you always see these videos of people pulling off weird stuff. I think Super Mario Sunshine could be a, a great way to uh, to have fun in that playground. Yeah, absolutely. I've always kind of heard... Some, I won't say everybody, but I've heard a lot of people kind of call that the black sheet, but I always loved that game. You know, yeah. I always enjoyed it. So I, I I never understood where those comparisons were coming from. It was like, why is this the odd one out? It was unique. It was fun. So I, I always dug that one. So I'm, I'm, I'm with the, you on that. I think it's the resistance to change, because if I'm not mistaken, in the same era, uh, Wind Waker at the mm-hmm. time was Zelda, Legend of Zelda Wind Waker at the time was just like, just slaughtered like everybody was like oh this you know this is weird it's such a step back from uh i think at the time it would have been ocarina of time and majora's mask yeah. you know it's such a a step back in the tone but now in hindsight people like heralded it as one of their all-time favorite games yeah. so it, i think it's just people being stubborn and uh eventually they come around to it anyway yeah and i'll even kind of add to that if they want to call it dark i don't think that sword in the middle of ganon's head at the end of the game is uh <laughs> one of the latter <laughs> moments of that game <laughs> right i played that for the first time and i was just like i was so caught off guard by that yeah so was i <laughs> it was just not <laughs> expecting that um let's see the next game i have and this one is so obscure because I have never seen anybody talk about it. Anytime I bring it up, no one knows what I'm talking about. But for whatever reason, it always was one of the my favorites I had growing up. And it was called Faxanadu. Mm-hmm. It was on the Nintendo. It was a kind of a, I guess you'd say a platforming RPG would be the best way to describe it. And 
you you play as this uh, wanderer or drifter, and he he comes to this town or this uh, castle town, and uh, it's it's been. Um, I feel like it, I think it was it was connected to like a world tree, and the world mm-hmm. tree was dying, so it was affecting everything around it. So you come to this town and you hear hear uh, from the king who's saying, "Can you help us? You know, we're, we're we don't know what to do. That we're dying. The the elves and the dwarves are, are attacking again." Which, you know, you you kind of get this idea of what elves and dwarves look like. They didn't look like that in this game, so I just kind of take it as like, <laughs> all right, cool, those are elves and dwarves, if you want to call them that. And you just kind of go through this world tree from top to bottom, or bottom to top, I guess would be more accurate, and try to save this world tree. But as you go along, you enter these towns where you can, uh, you know, buy equipment, kind of upgrade your armor and weapons and stuff like that. And like any traditional RPG, the more enemies you fight, you earn your gold, you earn your experience, which will earn you levels, which will then make you stronger. And at the time, it was very interesting because it was a, a type of game that I'd never seen at the time. Because again, this is a Nintendo game. Is normally when you go from one area to another, you cannot go back. Mm-hmm. But in this game, you could actually get all the way to almost the very end and make your way back to the beginning. Oh wow! And I mean, it would take you a while, obviously, but you could you could do it. And I'd never seen a game like that before. You know, I did not. It was new to me. You know, it was it yeah. was really interesting. So, in trying to think about what you could do to take this game, because I feel like that all the concepts and ideas would just be so reused if you tried to make this game today. But what could you, in, you know, really inject into it to make it stand out? Now, there were elements to this game that um, I would say kind of stood out a little bit. You know, uh, different weapons and items you could use. Like you had an hourglass where you could stop time, which I think could be a really cool element in a 3D game now. You had wing boots that could uh, let you fly for a little bit to reach areas that you couldn't normally get to. Um, there are a lot of cool concepts, but would this translate into the landscape of games today to where it would be something new and original or it would just be another game that's like, well, this is kind of like The Witcher or or Shadow mm-hmm. of Mordor and you just all you're doing is adding, you know, little elements like that. Like what could we do to make it stand out? Mm. That's tough. I've always been overwhelmed uh with RPG games. It's the genre I probably like stay away from the most. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the thing, and again, this is probably falling too close to the footsteps of the Witcher, but I think one of the things that always at least feels new to me is those quality of life things, like being able to sort your, your side quest a little bit more mm-hmm. or uh, have the, the map a little bit more flushed out. So it's easier to set markers and stuff like that. I think the thing that you could probably step in, or at least for people who don't play RPG games the, that much, you could make, um, you would probably give them more tools to traverse the world uh, yeah. and kind of keep track of where they are. I think that's the direction I would kind of try and look in, mm-hmm. but I don't know. It's a, it's a toughie. Yeah. And even with some of the enemies that you, you encounter on your way, how they could be incorporated in there could be really cool because there is a, I'm going to say it's a dragon because <laughs> it looks like <laughs> one, but it just kind of doesn't because of the, the graphics at the time. Uh, it's just this big blue dragon and it comes at you in this castle and 
it would be cool to just kind of be walking around the castle and this thing just comes to swoop down at you and you're like, oh God, I got to get out of here. Because that's another <laughs> element of it too that's really cool is you're supposed to be in this, I guess you'll say a tree because you're going through the world tree to, to heal it or to vanquish the whatever's tainting it and killing it. So I guess if they could develop a world where it's not like an open world, but you're contained in an area that is open, but contained, you know what I mean? It, within this tree, within, I mean, this whole tree is supposed to be a world. So something like that, but I just don't know how you would do it. Because yeah. I think even some elements you could, because you would kind of go to areas where it looked like you were outside. So maybe that's a branch. And you could find a way to show that in some way. That you're out mm -hmm. on a branch and this just happens to be a branch area of this this world. So, I don't know. It's a tough one, but it would be something I would love to see. Because right. I, I love this game so much. And I, I, I would play it now if I had it. <laughs> <laughs> so. But uh, yeah, that's that's the last one I got. You got any others? Um, it's not as fully fleshed out and almost like a peek behind the curtain. This was the the first one I thought of, but I ended up shelving it because I just can't think of a way that you could add on to it. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that it's still relatively new. Mm -hmm. And uh, that would be the Mass Effect series. Okay. Um, that's a series that I really, really enjoyed. And once you get to the third one, uh, and I'm for for the record, I am not including Andromeda. Uh, I didn't like that one. Uh, so I'm talking about the the original trilogy. Once you get to the third one, it feels a little bit more nestled in with with current gaming. But that first one is a bit of a, a rough rough playthrough because it just feels dated. The controls aren't as precise. Um, I, I would like to see again just the the standard visual upgrades and whatnot. But the only thing I could come to as far as upgrading it would probably be having are you familiar with the game i guess i should start out uh, i've never played it but i do i do know of it i've heard a lot of the controversy especially around part three. <laughs> oh yeah and it's a testament to as much because i was fully on that like i was like for lack of a better term there was a lot of hatred like i hate the way that it ended but leading up to it like was such an experience that i actively missed those characters like mm -hmm. i will I will feel Tizer's like, oh man, I, I I miss hanging out with Garrus. I miss hanging out with Tali. Like I miss hanging out with those people in the game. Right. Um, but if, to kind of get back on the point, what I would do is probably up update the uh, the morality aspect to it, where you could make a decision that would be like a renegade thing, or mm -hmm. you could make a decision that would be a paragon thing. And a lot of times the decisions were kind of like too black and white like you went for one option and i was like well that's a little too hardcore i'd like to see a little bit more you know nuance to the choices yeah. and not necessarily like you're either a bad guy or a good guy like because it doesn't work that way sure yeah, yeah. I, i've loved uh i think the witcher did it pretty well at least the third mm -hmm. one because i never played uh, one or two but i i got onto three and some of the decisions i made I did kind of feel like I was being nuanced about it because I wasn't trying to say, well, no, 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 you, you can't do that. Or yeah, I'm going to do it this way. Like, uh, I completely screwed up the ending because I was in some cases I was trying to be, you know, good for, um, I can't remember her name. The, the, his daughter, so to speak. Sir, uh, sir, Sarah, Siri? Sarah, Siri, Siri, there you go. Siri. 
uh, and you know, there from from what I've heard, and I never went back and, and tried it, but they were like, you know, encourage her, you know, always always take her side and everything like that. But there would be certain times where a conversation was going through, and I was like, I want to encourage her, but I'm like, well, I'm trying to look out for you, you know, mm-hmm. and and I felt like I was doing the right thing, but somehow it just backfired <laughs> completely, and I was like, well, I thought I was doing the right thing because I'm trying to protect her, but. 90, you know, 90% of the time I was like, yeah, she'll be fine. She'll be fine. But it would just depend on the situation (laughs) where I felt like I don't want to just push you out to the wolves. I'm trying to, you know, know that I'm going to be there to protect you, but I know you can protect yourself, but just know that I'm there. And how I responded was not as clear cut as I guess it should have been. So, yeah, I agree with nuance in in a game. If it's, that just adds so many more elements to it because then you kind of feel like I've, feel like I'm doing what I would do because when you have that morality choice of just A and B, then you're like, well, I, I'm not a, a complete dick, so I'm going to go with A, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or if I just feel like being a jerk, I'll go with B. Right. So, yeah, I, I agree with nuance. If anything could to, could add to that, I would, I would be down for that. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Well, that's all I have unless you've got any other games. No, I think that that's about it. Those are the first three that like popped into my mind. Awesome. All right, I'm going to move on to release dates real quick and uh, let everybody know what's coming out. Uh, the list is kind of short. I think we've kind of hit that that lull for games, which is fine because I've got to catch up. I'm not going to finish Monster Hunter anytime soon, and all these other games that, are coming out. That ever present backlog it always haunts us. Oh yeah, so many, and especially when they when you've got playstation giving out free games and then just every now and again i can look at you know when when people complain oh they didn't give me a good triple a title i'm like good i don't have to worry about it i don't want to have to play because i can look at it and say is that something i really want to play no okay so it's not a loss but eventually i'll find something and every time they put something good on there i'm like damn it that's just another game i've got to wait for um on February, uh, February 27th, we have DeBlob 2 for PS4 and Xbox One, which I thought that game was out, but it was on my list. So I don't know what that's all about. I That's one of those games that I always have heard about, but I've never, like, it just, it, that game always feels like there's an announcement that it's coming. Like, I, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> maybe maybe that's maybe what it was. <laughs> uh, we also have Gravel for PS4, Xbox One, and PC. I'm not familiar with Gravel. And for the Nintendo Switch, Payday 2, which should be a interesting. I, I'd like to hear if uh, that's going to be any good or not for that system. Right. And, and from what I've heard, I I don't know how familiar you are with it, but it seems like that developer, anytime they brought that game to a console, they just, just dropped off on support. On it. Uh, like they, they are, to the point I think they were telling people you should have bought it on the PC. Like, well, that's cold. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, they're kind of, they're kind of like, eh. I don't know. Payday is a it's a it's a weird one. Yeah, I've seen a few people stream it, but I've yet to play it myself. But I've heard people say like, "Oh, it's fun, it's fun." It's like, well, it seems like I'll... a cool concept. Yeah. I, I I guess I maybe should just try it. But from, from I don't know from the developers, it seems kind of off putting. Yeah, oh, I, I can agree with that. Uh, on February twenty eighth, there is where the water tastes like wine for PC. That's a place I'd like to go. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, we also got the list for the Xbox Games with Gold for March. We have uh, for Xbox One, which I'm kind of jealous about this. Granted, I do have a version of it, but I'm still jealous. Uh, Super Hot 
is coming to Xbox One for free for the Xbox Games with Gold from March 16th to April 15th. Have you ever played Super Hot? I have not. And there's an interesting twist to this. Uh, again, since I do stream games online, uh, one of the things that I do is I always have a backup game prepared. Mm-hmm. Um, just in case whatever I set out to play is not going to work or for whatever reason something comes up. Super hot is constantly on the bench, just waiting to go. And I have tried it. I've and this is this is incredibly bad because I'm sure it's an amazing game. I've heard nothing but good things. Uh, I have I've loaded it up to make sure that it was going to run on my PC and it was going to work with all my stream settings. And I played like ten minutes and I was like, this game is like really really cool. <laughs> and I hate that I have just regulated it to this this bench spot. But one day I'll get to it. One day one of the games that I set out to play won't work and I'll play it finally. Oh, it's it's. I've only played. And I know that the this pro, the version that they're giving out here is like the full version, but uh, I got it for VR when they were offering it, and I was like, I gotta go with VR. I want to see this VR, and it's just, it's what VR was made for. You yeah. know, it's just that awesome because when you got bullets flying by your head and you're just tilting your head and be like, yep, that's not gonna hit me. You just <laughs> feel like another badass. So. I love it, and I, I would still would like to play like the full console version just to see what the differences are, but uh, it, it's definitely fun. Uh, also, for uh, March 1st through the 31st, they have Trials of the Blood Dragon. I don't know what that is. Is that the uh, the Far Cry add-on? I thought so, but I think that one was just called Blood Dragon. But okay, it might, then, then it, I have no idea what it is. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. That's kind of where I was at because it didn't say it was Far Cry. It was just like Trials of the Blood Dragon. Mm-hmm. So I'm, there you go, Xbox players, whatever that is. Uh, <laughs> for Xbox 360 players, you get Brave the Video Game from March 1st to the 15th and Quantum Conundrum from March 16th through the 31st. I'm not a, again, I'm, I'm not an Xbox player or an Xbox uh, supporter, but uh, I don't. Their, their way of releasing games is odd to me. You know, you only get them from this moment to that moment, and that's it, Where versus what Sony does, and it's like, you get them for the entire month. So if you you got all month to figure it out and get it. I, right. I don't know, this half and half thing is just kind of weird to me, but that's that, just my opinion. It, I think it's a holdover from when you used to be able, like when you quote-unquote purchased it, it's free, but mm-hmm. you had to purchase it to link it to your account. Yeah. I think it was a holdover that you used to be able to keep them forever. So if your gold like went out, you mm-hmm. got to keep the game. So I think that's why there was a limited window. But moving forward to the Xbox One, if I'm not mistaken, they took it away where it is tied to your uh, Xbox Live account. And if you, you don't subscribe, you don't get to play it anymore. Nah. It could have changed, but I think that's why it is. And so when they made that move, they just kind of kept the release windows. Probably because it's a good press like staggering. Like, this week you get this, and this week you get that. <laughs> Keeps them in the conversation. Oh, yeah, for sure. All right, now we're going to get into our retro review, and I, I had to think on this for a little bit, but uh, I think I've got something good for you here, and uh, <laughs> I hope you enjoy. Uh, and again, anything you want to add to any part of this, by all means, I want to hear your your uh, input. Now, back in the 90s, video games based on TV shows, movies, and other properties were pretty commonplace. And despite this common practice, many of these properties failed to live up to the hype around them. A few of these games would carve their place into a niche of well-executed video games based on another IP, but they were few and far between. Now, me personally, I kind of blame this solely on the limitations of the time, since many of these properties have since flourished in the realm of video games as it is today. 
This isn't to say that all stick to their landing, but there's a higher percentage of them than there used to be way back when. I mean, lest we forget the original Ninja Turtles that I brought up last last week, because that was just, uh, that was terrible. If I'm not mistaken, I feel like I have vague fever dream memories of playing a Ronald McDonald game. So, yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. (laughs) Make the kids, I'm pretty sure. And there might be another one out there. That's just the one I remember. So, no, (laughs) your nightmares are real. Uh, There are a few games that could hit a nice middle ground that were enjoyable, but maybe not critically acclaimed masterpieces. One such game... I will argue, is Disney's The Lion King, developed by Westwood Studios and published by Virgin Interactive. Now, this one's for you. Um, <laughs> what, well, tell me about your experience, since you, you said that you loved it. So, um, on like, on top of everything, The Lion King is, like, an, a really incredible uh, movie for me, mm-hmm. because I don't know how much you remember it, but there's a scene where Simba asks Mufasa, are we pals? Because Mufasa had, like, kind of, you know chastised him for acting out and whatnot Mm -hmm. and so i remember when i watched that movie i went up to my dad and i asked him hey are we pals and we've been calling each other pals to this day ever since so i don't call my dad dad i say pal and so that manifested when i got a little bit older after watching the movie that we would play that game on the sega genesis Mm -hmm. but again i was really bad at it so he (laughs) he played it for me because i wasn't coordinated at uh i don't know how old i would have been five or six Mm -hmm. uh and he would play it for me so i just had so many childhood memories of waking up on a saturday morning and uh we would just sit there and play it for hours and trying to beat it because that was that was like before the days of like save points and and, and stuff like that so we had to start from the start and get all the way to the end so it's just it's a very, very special game to me. Oh, that I can see why. Uh, now, the, the game was re- released in uh, 94, so hopefully it doesn't give away your age or anything like that for the Super <laughs> Nintendo and Sega Genesis. Uh, I actually remember this being a game that wowed me in the sense of what the game was capable of. Uh, mm-hmm. Because most games at the time, they weren't very animated unless you were on PC because they had you know the video graphics and stuff like that. And At the time, that was kind of impressive what they were able to do consoles just weren't equipped for it so for an animated cutscenes and voice actings you just never really saw it but in this game we're actually given snippets of it you know here and there even lifted directly from the movie and it's it just made it more engaging for me mm-hmm. uh to have like the animated sprite of timon right at the beginning just saying it starts as your opener it was just it was like oh wow that was pretty cool it's so simple no but effective idea that nostalgia hit that I just got just from hearing you do the it stops. Like I, there was, I love that game so much. (laughs) And it's, it's just one of those things. It's the little things, you know, that just, that make it worthwhile, you know, that you remember. And that's, that's definitely one of the things that always stuck with me when I played this game and even remembering back at it now. In the most basic descriptions of games, this game is a side scrolling platformer where you play a Simba going from level to level, moving you through the plot of the film. Now, what I find most interesting about it is that it was fairly accurate, as accurate as you could be with a side-scrolling platformer, because you start off as young Simba taking your journey through the kingdom, with one level actually taking you through the musical number, I Just Can't Wait to Be King, complete with giraffe head jumping and monkey tossing. And I remember that being a pretty brutal level. (laughs) I have nightmares about it. For anybody who's familiar with the game, there is a section with an ostrich. Yes. where you have to jump over stumps and hippos and whatnot. Mm-hmm. 
And it to this day, I don't know how. Like, I've been past that level. Don't ask me how. It was just a miracle. <laughs> yeah, I, rem- I remember that. Because th- they gave you uh, cues, right? It was like right. either one uh, arrow up, one arrow down, or then two arrows up. So you had to double jump. And I think the double jump always got me. Because it and was then, like, you never knew if you were timing it right. Because it, the way they were doing it, it was like these little, it looked like these branches that were hanging out. But mm-hmm. this was on the Sega Genesis, so it wasn't that detailed. Yeah. So when they eventually took the little cues to jump away, and you were supposed to just know by memory, it was it was harder because you couldn't really differentiate what was the branch and what was, you know, clear space to jump. So right. that that was like pulling the rug out from under you from too, <laughs> too soon. Now, further on, after you <laughs> get through the uh, ostrich... Uh, craziness uh, you actually get to outrun and avoid the gazelle stampede which then will lead you into the more colorful uh, outskirts where you will eventually grow up and you'll play as adult Simba and you must make your way back to the uh, pride lands to face good old Uncle Scar now it was actually revealed by the game's designers that two of the game's levels which would be Hakuna Matata and Be Prepared were actually in fact adapted from scenes that were scrapped from the film so if any of you were looking to poke holes in my statement about that accuracy, boom, I just shut it down. So, yeah. <laughs> so you're speaking like a true podcast veteran right there. That's right. <laughs> uh, going from cub to adult, the play styles kind of vary a little bit with young Simba primarily bouncing around on enemies, performing little teeny tiny cat roars to stun his enemies. Then you get adult Simba, who's a little bit more aggressive, having scratching, mauling moves at his disposal. Didn't even, I think he could even throw them, couldn't he? Like, they get yeah. into a tangle. I remember being younger and just being like, man, this is, like, brutal. Like, he, because, I mean, he was, like, swiping at him with, like, mm-hmm. any care in the world. Yeah. Uh, another ma- amazing facet of this game are the sprites. Now, every sprite and background was actually drawn by Disney animators, and it absolutely shows because every inch of this game is gorgeous to look at. Even in a 16-bit era game, it's really amazing how it looks. And not only that, but the controls are complemented uh, with the designs as they never felt loose or sluggish. Everything kind of really felt on point, despite, you know, certain jumping <laughs> actions with, a, with an ostrich. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, even the music was actually adapted from original songs and orchestrations, which further enhanced the experience. Hearing music, you know, during a level helps elevate the playthrough, in my opinion, versus some generic tune that just doesn't seem to fit like it should. In some games, not all games, I'll just say this as a side note, I actually will mute the background music and start playing Spotify. Yeah. <laughs> because nothing is more satisfying than taking on like an army of orcs and Shadow of War at a storming a castle and you hear let the bodies hit the floor because that's what's happening uh, to, to go a little detour here there are many memories of me playing halo to breaking benjamin so i totally nice. uh, i totally understand <laughs> that it's just it, it, any way to enhance your gaming experience further i'm all for it music music is one of those key elements that will make or break anything i think mm-hmm. Uh, reviews of this game praised everything that I've mentioned thus far, but they kind of complained heavily around the repetitious nature of the game. Here I'm actually going to defend the game as well because I would ask them to point out a game of that era that wasn't in some way repetitious in the same vein. Because take a look at something like Super Mario Brothers. It's considered one of the greatest video games of all time, but if you're going to say that there isn't some form of repetition involved, you're, you're wrong because you're going from level to level 
you're doing the same exact thing level to level with the you know your differential here and there with a, a swimming level or a castle but it's still all the same here you're still doing the same thing you're going through level to level platforming platforming I don't really see where this argument of repetition comes into play I mean this is no different especially if you can actually look at the fact that you could beat this game in a little over 30 minutes which mm-hmm. it's mind-boggling when I I, I see people do these speed runs and I'm like this game took me hours to not even beat and this guy's <laughs> doing it in 30 minutes so yeah I- I'm not. I make the joke that I am often. I am a speedrunner, but the world's worst speedrunner, uh, because I take way too long in video games. But there was a point in time where I thought, like, I wanted to take a, a crack at it, mm-hmm. and The Lion King was going to be the one that I did, and it just, I just, I don't, have, I don't know how they do it. Like, no, it's no. insane to me. <laughs> but I mean, just keep in mind. Imagine playing hours of a game, and I'm talking hours, 20, 30, 40 of full repetition. That's. Mm-hmm. You know, in comparison, don't don't argue about repetition. And I'm looking at you, Assassin's Creed, and I'm talking about the first one. I am actually a fan <laughs> of the series, but that first one, I didn't, like I said earlier, I played three as my first, and then I thought, well, I want to go back and play the originals, and the first one was just the same thing over and over, and I was like, this is kind of getting old quick. I was going to say, didn't Ubisoft make a whole game model off of repetition? That's pretty much like what their games are. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but this game did something unique at the time, which I feel like helps it stand apart from others that did it just like that. Uh, despite what some naysayers may say, I believe the game is still impressive today, and it helped pave the way for other games just like it. Sure, Cuphead animations are completely hand-drawn, and the animations are brought to life in likes of which we've never seen. But you could almost argue that The Lion King did it first. Uh, that's our show, man. Thank you so much, man. I'm, I Thank you for having me on. Well, we would like to thank all of our listeners for being here every week. If you've reached this point, you are incredibly awesome and the reason we do this. If you are feeling generous, you can leave us a review sometime wherever you listen, whether it be iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, feedback of all kinds is always appreciated. It helps us know what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong. Also, a big shout out to our patrons who make this show and others we do possible. If you're interested in supporting the show, head over to patreon.com slash pencil and paper productions and take a look around. Thank you again for listening. I'm Stephen White. Trey, tell us, or tap, excuse me, I gaffed. (laughs) (laughs) Tell our listeners where they can find you. Yeah, you can find me at twitch.tv slash the tap stream. I stream Monday through Thursday as well as Saturdays. And a good place, an easy way to remember is also thetapstream.com if you want to keep up with more things that I do there too. I would definitely recommend checking out thetapstream.com. I have this week. I highly enjoy it. And you can get everything you need right there. Join us again next time. But until then, game on.
This has been a Pencil and Paper Podcast Network production.